0: Okay, we have a pastor here talking about divorce and remarriage. Fair use. Let's get into it.
1: ask it of you today. Many of you actually know the truth concerning the covenant of marriage, that it is actually, by God, One man, one woman, one lifetime, forsaking all others, cleaving to one another through sickness and in health, rich or poor. I forget the third, but that's okay. Sickness and in health for rich or poor, for better or worse, till death do you part. And the churches, take a look. You can argue with me. You can disagree with me. But listen to the Apostle Paul. You claim Christ. Shall we be, like he said to the Roman? shall we? Well, I'll read it again because it's so clear and most people will love it and like it. And yet, when you get down to what you might call the nitty-gritty, the reality of the situation, there are millions of professing Christians who are in an adulterous marriage. What do you mean? Why don't you know what I mean? Because maybe you don't want to, or the preacher said you were okay, or you felt you thought was a goosebump feeling from the Holy Spirit. But the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. It's not your feelings. The question still remains, what then? What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Jesus said, from the evil, from out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, etc. So it's not just the issue that God has called me up and raised me up to speak. And I I already knew before I ever started 35 years ago that if you're in the carnal mind, if you're in the flesh, and if everybody around you is agreeing with your adulterous marriage, and you you don't want to hear this. Well, Herod didn't want to hear what John the Baptist had to tell him, but I believe John the Baptist was led of the Holy Ghost to warn Herod that the woman he was with was not... (laughs) Was somebody else's wife. It's not lawful, for Herod, for you to have married Herodias, for she is your brother Philip's wife, which means, Mar, uh, the, what's the brother's name? Herodias. Philip and Herodias were in covenant, no matter whether they were saved or not. They got divorced, and Herod married Herodias. And John the Baptist, publicly, I believe, it could be wrong there, but he called it out. And, of course, the Bible says that Herod would have had him killed instantly, but he was afraid of the people because they saw them as a holy man and a prophet of God, which he was. Lord, look, you can shut this off. You can disagree. You can say I'm, uh, what do you call it, legalistic, religious. But what do you do with the actual teaching of Paul? Are you saying Paul didn't get this? That Paul had it wrong. You have to be saying that even Jesus has this one wrong. That grace covers your situation, even though one or the other of you have a living covenant spouse. And you could be trying to make the best Christian life out of your adultery. But what God told me is what he sees is profaneness, No matter how happy you are, no matter how nicely you treat one another. You had children, you can have children out of wedlock. You can have children through fornication. You could even have children by having a secret affair. Makes great for TV drama, but it's not going to get you to heaven except you repent. And you can repent. You can. You know, well, I don't want to have to go through this process again. Well, you don't have to but you don't wanna die in the sin of adultery and in an adulterous relationship as defined by Christ. Well, what did Jesus say? He We're under grace, Pastor, don't you get grace? Then why did Paul ask the question, what shall we say then? In response to all that he's been showing them. And what he just said, we have been given by Jesus abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness. And we by Jesus shall reign in life. So you're telling me, think about what you're telling me. I can, you can divorce your wife, Ray. You can put Sally away and you can find a new wife and God will forgive you for having done that horrible deed. But once you're married to another, it would be confusion to break that up, Pastor Ray. Pastor Ray, please understand we really love Jesus. Well, that's for Jesus, that's between you and Jesus, but I'm, I'm to preach the word to you. So are your pastors. They're supposed to tell you the truth. You ought to go to them and say, and in meekness, saying, why are y'all avoiding this? Well, many of them are actually in the sin of adulterous adultery. Well, what are you talking about? Old things are passed away, pastor. So, if my father got saved before my mother did, And so they were unequally yoked according to the scripture that he should have put away my mother and found a Christian woman to marry. Is that what you're saying? Take this thing to its absurd, carnally minded logical outcome. And then they say it would be confusion to stop committing adultery. Well, you had children. What about the children from the real covenant of marriages? They weren't given all that much thought in the careening towards just putting one another away and hurting one or both of you hurting each other, but you all love Jesus until you find a more stable to happy. Now I'm happy. How could this be wrong? Well, you don't have to compare it to my thinking. Jesus said in Luke 16, 18 to religious leaders that what they were doing was considered an abomination in the sight of God. Well, what were they doing? Jesus spoke to them a few verses later. Well, actually, almost right away, he said, what is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. God knoweth your hearts, but that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. He said, whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another, committeth adultery, And whosoever marries her that is put away from her husband committeth adultery. And in Mark 10, 12, And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. Now, who said that? Who said that? No excuses, no exceptions. If there are exceptions, they would have also been included in Mark and Luke, and they're not. So what you have been told are exceptions are not exceptions to the covenant, but rather to the betrothal contract, and you can look that up. But God has shown me this by a spirit many years ago. By God's grace, I will continue to proclaim this. Well, praise the Lord and good morning, good afternoon, good evening, welcome to Jesus is our shepherd. Is he your shepherd? Do you love him? I hope you do. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, which means his word. In, in was it John uh, 15, Jesus prayed, I think. Well, let me find it. I always get those chapters all precious. John chapters 14 to 17, sometimes a little mixed up. But I know what they say. Let's see if I can find it. John chapter 15, yes, verse 7. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a condition here. The word if is a conditional statement, and there's two conditions to truly answered prayer and revival and reformation in our country. If, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, my people, which are called by my name, first of all, you have to be called by his name. All right, so now we've got that. You're called by his name. Why would you be listening to this program if you're not called by his name? Maybe though you just happened by and you're, you're not given, given your life to Christ and it may not even be that big a deal to you. Well, I hope you meet Jesus and accept him as Savior and live for him. Well, if you come to him, he will not cast you out, so we'll look at it that way. All right, so what are the four conditions following that? That you humble yourself and that you pray that we should do this and seek His face, and the fourth one. remember, all these conditions have to be met before God says, "I will hear and I will hear them." And what is the last one, America? Turn. Now, this is my people he's talking about. Turn from their wicked ways. And so now here, another condition to answered prayer from Jesus, who says, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He's speaking to the eleven right now, because Judas left to betray him. He's saying this to the eleven that remain at this point in time. So I have loved you. Continue ye in my love, well, what does that mean? He so beautifully and simply lines it out. If you keep my commandments, again, a conditional statement, you have to keep his commandments to abide in the love of Christ. You can claim to abide in the love of Christ. You can sing, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And he would not have all men, any man, perish in their sins, but that all should come to Repentance. Well, how are you going to come to repentance naming Christ if you disagree with some of the foundational fundamental teachings on what constitutes actual acceptable in the sight of God covenant of marriage? No matter whether you're a Jew, Christian, or any other person on earth, the covenant of marriage was given to all the descendants of Adam and Eve before they sinned in the Garden of Eden by God himself. And the warnings of Jesus for the last days, one of the big flag, red flag warnings is the abundance of the adulteries today and all other uncleanness. He said it would be just like the days of Noah, men marrying and given in marriage. This is not normal covenant marriage when he says this and also like the days of Lot. And Jesus says in 1510, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Now listen to Jesus, one more verse. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. And in Jesus' prayer in John 17, he prays, for us, mm, it's beautiful. You should read the whole thing today. But then, in verse sixteen, in John seventeen, verse seventeen, sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth. And Paul, in Romans six, having taught and extolled the great gift of Jesus to all of us, the second Adam. In the end of Romans chapter 5, Paul writes to us, in verse 17 of Romans 5, For if by one's man's offense death reigned by one, and that one is Adam the first, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Notice there's a twofold proposition there shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Well, what's the free gift? Abundance of grace. Underline those three words because of what we are going to hear Paul ask those reading this letter, asking the Christians, those claiming Christ, Jew and Gentile alike. He said, Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one. In another place, Paul calls Jesus the second Adam. He was fully man, fully God. But he did not have a natural father. This is the miracle of the incarnation. Shall many be made righteous? Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Now, if you continue reading Romans, you'll learn that the law is not the problem. It's not good enough to save us, but the law is good and holy and just, Paul says. The problem is it caused the sin in all mankind to be quite evident, hoping that the law would be a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. How can I be saved then? Because sometimes we can just go merrily along and think we're fine. But we're not unless we receive the gift of Christ. There's not one that doeth good without him. No, not one. He already said that earlier in this letter, quoting Psalm 14. But then the beauty of Christ is, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So wouldn't that lead you to believe that grace is conquering sin, not permitting it, not endorsing it? Where adultery abounded, grace did much more abound, not to wink and nod and say, well, you love Jesus now, so keep, keep living with intimately another man's wife or another woman's husband or somebody that's not your own. And you, well, the church say it's okay. Well, not Jesus. Jesus never said it's okay. Paul never said it's okay. And if I'm a preacher of the gospel, who am I supposed to agree with, no matter the cost to me? Well, to me, I think right now it's a light thing that I have been called by God to share this stuff, because he's ordained me to tell the truth concerning the covenant of marriage and to warn those in the churches that claim righteousness, that if you die in the sin of adultery, yes, in the life, in the arms of somebody that's not your covenant husband or wife, or is somebody else's other than your own. See, we are all going to agree. You would all say, amen, good, going to be a good message today. And it is a good message because you don't have to die in your sin. You don't have to die in the sin of adultery. Paul had, Paul didn't uh, tiptoe around these issues when he preached the gospel at Corinth because he was able to say in 1 Corinthians 6, such were some of you. Well, how did they know to become were instead of continuing in the stuff that they had been? Sin must have been called out. Sin must have been preached again. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But how is it in our country that the leaders themselves will not call out adulteries for what it is, even when in their own lives, the lives of their, their people, their family, their friends, you think we're being condemning. Well, Paul says later on in Romans 8, and by the way, some of your modern translations leave out the second half of this verse. You ought to go check it out and ask, well, why'd they do that? They shouldn't have. But let me read to you what it actually says. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, but it's conditional. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin. Well, what sin? Adultery, fornication, all other uncleanness, lying, stealing, cursing, blasphemy, has made us free from the law. You can't help it. Well, in the flesh, I suppose you can't. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free, Paul declares, from the law of sin and death, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. The law wasn't the real problem. The problem is sin. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, though he had not sinned, and for sin, he's the solution to your adulterous marriage, that you can because one of the two of you were in covenant with somebody, no matter how that ended up happening or going. So you can take legal measures, spiritual measures, measures, legal measures, but you know who might oppose you getting out of an adulterous marriage the most in America today? Fellow people that claim to believe in Jesus. The leaders. I'm going to go now. Back to 5.21 in Romans, that as sin hath reigned unto death. And that's what adultery will do for you. It'll reign in your life. You're committed. You're really committed, aren't you? But it's going to end up in death. Or Paul lied to us. Jesus lied to us. Even so might grace reign through righteousness, not through continuance in any sin, might reign through righteousness unto eternal life, By Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Paul doesn't just ask this question for himself. He says we should all be asking this. What shall we say then? That means anyone that names the name of Christ. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? But are you in adultery? Then you're not dead to sin. Praise the Lord, and welcome to the Tuesday broadcast of Jesus as our shepherd.
0: Well, that's all I'll have for now. Uh, This man is uh, basically telling you the truth about divorce and remarriage. And a lot of people will not want to hear it. They do not want to hear about Uh, the truth of divorce and remarriage. They do not want to hear about uh, what it means uh, according to God. A lot of people are going to do what they want to do. And that's just something we have to accept with our loved ones. And uh, we have to understand that Everybody's not going to want to obey God. Most people are not going to look past their trauma or whatever they faced in their marriage to understand that this is a fight for your soul. And uh, well, people will make the excuse, well, I was beat, you know, Okay, you can separate. In some cases, you may have to get a divorce because of how violent the person may be, situations, okay? Or you were cheated on, okay? Uh, You can leave, all right? You can leave if you want. You have to forgive, but you cannot remarry another person. And this is where people get really angry, all right? Because they want the right to divorce, but they want the right to start over. And you can't do that. It's either you're going to have to forgive. You have to forgive its commandment. And you're going to have to pray for your spouse's restoration that they repent and come to God, no matter how long it takes, and live a celibate lifestyle. And a lot of people will um, react to that angrily and... People will feel satisfied by pastors telling them it's okay to stay in a remarriage or their family members saying it's okay to stay in a remarriage. And the mainstream media saying that. So you got the flesh, your family, mainstream media, the world and the devil all telling people they could stay in their in their adulterous remarriage and marriages that God has called adulterous. And it takes a lot for a person to come out of that. Some people are just not going to do it. They're not going to separate. They're not going to, well, you're breaking up a happy home. It's not a home under God. I'm sure Queen Herodias was happy with King Herod, even though that's not a marriage. Under God And that's why John the Baptist Was cut off Because Herodotus and King Herod Did not like what he had to say And if you are a Christian And you talk about this People will cut you off from their fellowship Okay You'll be despised You'll be hated called on loving because you chose to follow Christ and you chose out of love to warn your friends and family or even an ex or a spouse that considers you now an ex an ex-husband or ex-wife funny that the fact is ex-wife and ex-husband does not exist in the Bible okay and people will try to use uh, chapters from the Old Testament to try and uh, you know a chapter in Deuteronomy to say that Oh, if you come back to your first covenant spouse, you're viol- You're um. You're in sin. And it's funny how people want to go to the Old Testament scriptures, but they won't go to the book of Hosea. It won't go to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter three, where God says, "I'm still married to you. I've divorced, but I'm still married to you. Repent, and I will take you back." Okay, little people know that you know Hosea, the the book of Hosea was an illustration of how God's relationship with the people of Israel. It's God's relationship with the church. The church acts like a harlot at times, okay? That refuses to obey God, has, has a lot of lovers, but God has not dumped the church, okay? That's the thing. A lot of Christians are caught up in this. A lot. And when you tell them the truth, they get extremely mad. You're unloving. You're wicked. You're evil, legalistic. Many pastors won't talk about this because they'll lose following and they'll lose their money. Or they're in it. And they don't care they want to stay with their wife. They don't care if they lose their soul. They don't care if they drag the whole congregation to the pit of hell. It's what they want. That's why Christians who are willing to pay that price, they're leaving the, these um, buildings of brick and mortar. They understand that they are part of the ecclesia, the called out ones. Okay. And there's no real money in the church. You know, if you start preaching this. Pastors would have to get jobs. Excuse me. And people will get mad. Walk out of church. and Unfortunately, if they're in a first covenant marriage, their wife might leave them. It ain't cheap to follow Christ. It ain't cheap. It's a war. And people get very angry and violent when you start telling the truth of what the Bible really says. And it's very scary to understand for hundreds of years, decades, people have been told this lie that you can remarry after divorce. It is very scary to just think about this. Many are burning in hell because they believe the lie that you could remarry after divorce, Yet the Bible says otherwise. And you ever notice that People are so, you know, um, have so much of a hatred towards Paul's teachings when it comes to this. A very insane hatred towards the doctrine of Paul. And they think that Paul was speaking on his own accord. No, he was speaking through the mouth of Christ, just like many of the other disciples, okay? You ever also notice they will condemn homosexual marriage, but uplift remarriage and divorce, remarriage after divorce. Both are abominations before the Lord. Okay. Remarriage and divorce remarriage after divorce mocks the covenant of God. Homosexual marriage is a mockery of the God ordained uh, natural order between man and woman, and it will take 30 years off your lifespan. church has to battle this hypocrisy. All right. That's all I got to say for now. Peace and God bless. Okay, anything you want to know about this channel, it's in the description box. Like, share, comment, and subscribe. Later.